praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate, and were very much afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So in the continuing Lenten adventures of Jesus of Nazareth, we're up to the second episode. Last week, we heard about his time in the desert, which actually has a prelude to it a previous episode, a, something that happened that was important before that. If you remember, before Jesus heads out into the desert, he is down by the Jordan River, John the Baptist, and the crowd's there, and he himself is baptized. And in Matthew's version of the baptism of Jesus, Jesus himself, as he comes out of the water, recognizes the Father, the Father's voice, and the Father's voice saying to him, you are my beloved son. Now, those were mission words. Those were words that were meant to tell Jesus exactly who he is, what he may have suspected, what he may have felt, what he may have sort of uh, experienced in his dreams, who knows exactly. But here's the confirmation. When, when Jesus hears the Father's voice, the Father's voice he knows well, say, you, Jesus, are my son. I love you. You'll be my beloved son. 
He knows who he is and he knows what his mission is going to be. And it's that knowing that sends him out to the desert because he needs time to get his head around this. He needs time to prepare himself internally, spiritually for the mission that he is going to be taking up from this point forward. He needs 40 good days and 40 good nights to, to struggle, to manage, to grapple with all of the implications of what God the Father has asked him to do because he is a beloved son. And so, as we heard last week in the first Lenten episode of Jesus' adventures, Jesus struggles mightily in that desert, not just from hunger and thirst and the extraordinary poverty of living in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, but also from terrible temptations, the three of them we heard about last week. All of them temptations against his relationship with God and his mission to us. First big episode of the Lenten season. Now we pass months and perhaps even years ahead in the story for episode two. Episode two, Jesus takes three of his best disciples up to a mountaintop. But before he does that in this episode, what happens just ahead of that in the Gospel of Matthew is critically important to understanding what happens on the mountaintop. That Jesus, ever since his baptism in the desert and his, I mean, his baptism in the Jordan and his time in the desert, has been doing all sorts of wonderful things in Galilee. He's been preaching beautiful sermons. We heard all the, the Beatitudes and all of that in earlier this year. And, and he's been healing people and doing wonderful things and everyone's acclaiming him. It's a wonderful thing. It's Galilee. It's the, the salad days of his ministry, the happy days. He's among his own. He speaks a language they all understand and he's putting on a great, great experience of God's grace in their lives. But all good things come to an end. At some point, Jesus has to turn towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not Galilee. Jerusalem is tough. Jerusalem is dry. Jerusalem is a place where there's lots of powerful people who probably aren't going to like him very much at all. Jerusalem is where they really have to confront Roman power. And everybody who thinks Jesus by now is the Messiah, including most of his disciples, are saying, we're going to turn towards Jerusalem and it's going to be one victory after another. We're going to march on Jerusalem. Our army is going to get better. We're going to start riding beautiful white horses and get beautiful silver swords. And we're going to knock out the Romans and we're going to free Israel from all kinds of foreign domination. That's what they're thinking. Just before today's episode, of Jesus' Lenten adventure, something significant happens. Jesus decides to abuse his disciples of that notion. Okay, my friends, my brothers, what's going to happen as we go to Jerusalem is not what you think. It's not what you imagine. It has nothing to do with all of that kind of military stuff and victory. That's not the kind of Messiah the Father has asked me to be. What's going to happen instead is going to be grim. It's going to be hard. It's going to be filled with darkness. It's going to be filled with injustice. It's going to be filled with hatred. It's going to be filled with defeat. I'm going to die in Jerusalem. A terrible, horrible death. And you'll be witnesses of it. But hold on, hold on, hold on. What I'm asking you is to hold on. 
because after the third day, you'll see the point of it all. You'll see the meaning of it all. You'll see the grace of it all on the third day, the first day of the week. So we all know that Peter's a dunderhead. We all know that he talks too much. We all know that he says things that pop into his head that he shouldn't say. So just as Jesus tells his disciples what's going to happen as they turn towards Jerusalem now and leave behind Galilee, Peter steps in and he says, No, Jesus, you're wrong. Excuse me while I put on my arrogant pants here, my big boy pants, my big apostle's pants, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus, that you're wrong. That cannot happen to you or to us for that matter. <laughs> when we go to Jerusalem, it's going to be all good. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful because you're such a great guy. Everybody's going to love you down there, just like they love you up here. Jesus' response to the blathering of Peter, Peter's denial of his way, Peter's way of saying, look, Jesus, don't do it that way, is to give him the most deep insult Jesus could possibly muster. Almost the same words he said to the Satan in the desert when he finally dismissed him after the three temptations. He says to Peter, his number one guy, Peter, no, not Peter, Satan, get behind me. Now, to call somebody Satan in his culture was the worst insult imaginable. It wasn't a little endearing things like, oh, you little devil. When he calls him Satan and tells him to get behind him, he is stomping on Peter's arrogance. And he's putting Peter right, saying, no. That's not the way it's going to be. And Jesus must have thought, oh my God, I've been with these guys for three years, almost three years, and they still don't get it? Even Peter? Okay, I've got to go deeper here. <laughs> I've got to, they're, they're not getting it from the talk. So let's take them up the mountain and show them. Show them, you know, what's at stake here and what's really, really going on. And why it is the trip to Jerusalem is going to be a disaster before it's a victory. So Jesus takes Peter, of course, and James and John, the two brothers, his closest three of the disciples, of the apostles, he takes them up this mountain, and there something extraordinary happens. They are allowed to see who Jesus is, who the Father has told Jesus he is. They're allowed to see Jesus' glory, his grace, his light, his life, his love, his divinity in its fullness. Wow, light everywhere. And then something even more extraordinary happens. Along with Jesus, there's Elijah and there's Moses. And Jesus and Moses and Elijah are having a conversation. He's probably saying something like, Elijah, do I really have to do it this way? Do I really have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and do all this stuff? And Elijah says, yeah, Jesus, you do. Moses, come on, come to my help here. Be my wingman. Isn't there another way? Come on, help me out here. Can't we save the world some other way than this? I mean, you just had to bring them through the Red Sea. Wasn't that, you know, why do I have to do all of this? Jesus, it's the Father's will. We're going to do it this way. Just calm. 
okay. And as this beautiful little dialogue between the great Moses and the great Elijah, and the divine Jesus, also human, is taking place, who interrupts but the dunderhead Peter? Oh, Jesus, 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 this is wonderful. Look, you and guys, we're going we're gonna to have this. We're going we're gonna to build some tents here. We're going to make this a holy place. And we'll be able to just stay here and worship you. And we'll be able to talk with Moses and talk with Elijah and be filled with your glory and your grace. And these three tents will become like great temples and da, 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 da. And finally, God's voice from heaven comes down and says, Peter, shut up. I've had enough of your yakking. That's not what you're going to do. Listen to my beloved son. Do you hear me, Peter? Listen to him. Enough of your blathering, enough of your not seeing, enough of your you're not hearing him. This isn't about staying on the mountain. It's going down the mountain and to Jerusalem. That's my plan for Jesus. It's the only plan. Listen to him. Peter. And so they eventually go down the mountain. Peter's now been chastened yet again for being a goofball. And so more or less ends the second episode. But there are more episodes to come. Each Sunday in Lent, we will hear yet another powerful episode in which we encounter Jesus doing what the Father has asked him to do. We will see Jesus heal a blind man. And we're asked by the Father himself to listen to Jesus as he does so. Listen to the silence as Jesus takes his own spittle, mixes it with dirt, and places gently this holy mud on the eyes of the blind man. It not only opens his eyes, it opens his life, opens his heart. Listen to him when Jesus sits down next to a woman who's a known sinner at a well at the middle of the day all by herself and asks the simple question, can I have something to drink? I'm thirsty. Listen to Jesus as he stands before the tomb of his best friend Lazarus and growls with anger at the reality of death <coughs> and feels the grief as deep in his being as possible and then cries out, Lazarus, come out of your tomb. Finally, we're asked, maybe most especially, to listen to Jesus as he stands before his accusers in silence in eloquent silence that speaks to our hearts and teaches us how to face violence and injustice. And listen to Jesus when he finally says, from the cross itself, I thirst, I thirst. Jesus thirsts with us in our thirst. The Father himself has asked this of us as much as he's asked it of Peter and James and John. In these coming weeks, in these coming episodes of the Lenten adventures of Jesus, 
pay attention, be on guard. Most of all, listen to Jesus, for he is my beloved son.